Welcome to The Vinyl Preacher, your weekly award-winning podcast where we talk about the Bible and make a playlist. I'm Matt Cadle, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church and Campus Ministry in Los Angeles, California. And I'm Zach Pierce. Uh, some of my notable accomplishments include being the runner-up for the 1993 Lincoln County Apple Festival Apple Box Derby uh, and the 1995 North Carolina State Math Fair champion. Fantastic. Some fun facts right there. Fun facts. All true. I'm an award-winning human, you know? <laughs> Just in general. I uh, won most improved uh, wrestler in eighth grade. <laughs> nice. You <laughs> strike me as a wrestler. I did not know you wrestled at all until this moment. Middle school. It, it makes a lot in of sense school. now. <laughs> it was a thing. If you weren't uh, good enough at basketball for the basketball team, you uh, went to the wrestling team. That's what I really regret is that I I went to like I, I didn't go to big schools growing up. But but making the basketball team was really like I, I wanted to go to a school that was so small that like you just got to be on all the teams, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like I was I was first cut good at basketball in middle school. Uh uh, in early high school, I can make the first cut, but then, yeah, no, nah, it's not happening. Yep. Yep. Uh, but Matt, you're, you're trying to make the cut now. Uh, I see it. I saw it on the internet. I'm excited about it. It motivated me to make some changes in my own life. Uh, I saw that you had enrolled, re-enrolled really at huh. your sabbatical 10 years away at the old town school of folk music, taking your guitar group class. How's that? Oh, you can't see this friends because this is the audio. There's a guitar. <laughs> That's not Nick putting music in. Nick, you might want to put in like a sick, oh. like uh, 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 my guitar beloved. solo here. This is my beloved guitar. I'm so excited. Uh, You've had yeah. a class, right? I had a class yesterday. How was it? An online class with the Old Hunt School of Folk Music. It's, uh, well, first I'll get part past the funny part, which is that like, you know, being in so many Zoom meetings, you really get to know like the people that are really good at them and like, Mm-hmm. do this all the time and people are like i'm not really sure like how we how we do this thing so you're like I can't it's hear you. different context <laughs> right um but uh and, and then just like how to do a class like it's just there's things that are different but to have like oh my gosh i just missed it so much like having uh, a group guitar lesson uh a group session where we're playing the same songs together there's just something like that feeds my soul about that. I don't know why I haven't been able to find anything like that in LA. Maybe I haven't looked hard enough. That's probably the answer. But there's like a unique, there's a, there was a unique spirit about the old town school uh, that maybe you know too. Uh, and I just, I felt it even through the airwaves. I have never been able, so the old town school of folk music is a, a nonprofit on uh, Chicago's, used to be near North side, but now they got the big place up uh, a little further North. And I think maybe that, I don't know. I've never been able to find group classes and I loved the group class dynamic. As Why a, do you love it? Well, as a, it, I think it's a part of it's the introvert like fear thing, and that that I've taken like private banjo classes before, and so much of it depends on your relationship with like the instructor. And to be honest, I've ghosted on a number of those lessons, <laughs> and that's my way out. Right? I think I talked on the podcast <laughs> yeah. a while back about taking guitar. And I did it and it went pretty good and okay. But then like the next week came along, actually I completely forgot. Uh, and 
I was just, it just ghosted. Just ghosted. Never heard from me again. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because it's a lot of pressure and intense and like, right. you're trying to learn this thing and it feels overwhelming. And it ends up like economically being a pretty good deal. I think doing the group classes that like it's $200 for eight sessions for like eight weeks. So like I'll get to learn what I want to learn. So I did, Matt. I signed up. I have class tonight. <laughs> no, you don't. Really? Yeah. What are you taking? Uh, so they do not have any group banjo classes online right now. Or maybe they have like they don't have a, an appropriate banjo class for me to take. Um because I'm pretty advanced with the banjo. Um, I'm taking, I decided to take guitar uh, repertoire two. Um, oh, nice. Because I'm, I'm, I'm quote unquote self-taught, which means I have some skills that are beyond where, where the, probably where the class will be. But then there's some like really basic stuff that I never learned well or, yeah. or no. So, um, and no big pressure because it's a group class and, stuff you know yeah yeah so yeah no it's there's and let me tell you there's even less pressure when you're online because everybody is muted except for the instructor (laughs) so like i don't know if that's good or bad but it means i just keep strumming away and nobody can hear me it's it's kind of (laughs) great it's good i should take private classes with like a uh what's it called modesty like uh screen (laughs) should be like confession (laughs) There's something to that, right? Like, like, like the right of a confession and like being a confessional and taking like one-on-one music lessons. Because uh, I remember I took piano as a kid, right? Most of the time it was like, this is really just me having to make confession that I didn't practice this week. Yeah, I remember that uh, with my saxophone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would dread going just because I had to be like, no, I didn't. So the things that I am excited to learn in Guitar 2 are uh we did some we did some little well we're gonna do some bass runs but then even like some of the um like we're playing paint it black from the rolling stones right and a lot of it is like really simple guitar chords but then we learn how to do that like and i like would not like just to be able to like it just gives me i just love being able to do that stuff right like it's so exciting uh and we're gonna do some bass runs and then she was doing a hammer on which, like, I remember I got there 10 years ago when I was taking a lot of classes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now I can't remember how to do it, but I'm really excited because it adds, it just, like, adds some little things to guitar playing that I don't know if I would, if I would get there on my own. So these are the two things that then I would say that I feel like relate to this podcast. It's not completely irrelevant, dear people of God. So, um, so one is doing something that I am not good at. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's a lot of things in the world that I'm not good at, but like, I mean, I remember starting to take guitar and just being like, yeah, no, like this is not like if I sit down to write something, I know how to write. Like I can write a paragraph. I can write an essay. I can do this. But like, I don't know how to like move my, like I feel completely out of my element. And yet there something, maybe it's something about the way they set up the space, but like, it's, it's like a good thing. It's like a good practice to have something in your life where you're doing something that like, you have no idea what the hell you're doing, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I feel like that is a positive thing. And then uh, the other piece is like, so I wrote this this Facebook post about how wonderful it was. And then I realized that it was like kind of like church. <laughs> it was like having a weekly gathering with other people actually enhances my individual practice all week <laughs> long, right? Like I was like, 
Oh, like I could practice by myself. That's probably what I should do is like I could just continue to advance. But like without that weekly group session, it was really hard to like motivate myself, hard to feel like it just impacted it. Right. The two things had an impact. You need that sort of like positive accountability. Yeah. Both things. Right. That positive. And I think the the group class does the accountability piece, I think. in a yeah in a nice way, right? Where I feel accountable, but like, I feel so accountable in like the private ones that like, rather than like awning up to like not doing it, I'd rather just not show up. Yep. Yep. No, it's totally, it's totally true. So sweet. Well, we're working on our folk music. It's going to be great. Oh, just wait. The Divine Preacher concert series. As soon as people can gather again, we're going on the road, Matt. We're sticking our families in an RV from RVAmerica.com, and we are going to tour the country. Uh, Matt, I... Uh, maybe Tyra can open up for us. Oh, we need an opener. We need a good opener. <laughs> Tyra might might be into that. I think that'd be great. Um, <laughs> we'll ask Josh Ritter first, and if he's not available, <laughs> then we'll go to Tyra. <laughs> Shoot for the stars, friends. Um... <laughs> Here's the other thing that that I've started to reflect on the past couple of days, especially as I've reengaged uh, in giving the Old Town School of Folk Music my money uh, again, is that this because we're a full two months in uh, today for me is eight weeks, uh, which I started counting down from uh, when we started this. Uh, so zero, we're done. Just kidding. Um as we're deep into this quarantine, this quarantine is starting to remind me a lot of seminary. <laughs> How so? Well, I mean, there's a lot of things, right? Like I'm taking classes at the Old Town School of Folk Music again, uh, which which I don't know if we've actually come out and said we did in seminary in Chicago. Uh, and it was fantastic. It was a great way to get away from the seminary and out of Hyde Park. How did that start? Like, which I can't even. Because <laughs> at a certain no point, idea. we were both doing it all the time. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It anyway, happened. keep going. It yeah. makes me think, though. Um, I'm become that uh, master bed b- bread baker. Uh, I feel like uh, I've never been as foodie uh, right now as I have. Like, uh, I haven't been this foodie-ish since seminary. Uh, yeah. We made empanadas like the, we have like spent the day making empanadas the other day. Like they're delicious and we're getting really good at it. Uh, you know, I bought a new coffee grinder, like a hand grinder, a boar grinder. Uh, not even because I like, I like it. I'm into it. Like the slow food, like we used to be really pro slow food, you know? Uh, but, um, I like the slowness of it. I got it mostly because it's, it's quiet. And uh, evidently, I'm not allowed to grind coffee beans with our loud-ass machine during Hannah's work meetings. I don't know. <laughs> That's what I've been told. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And also, life feels awfully chaotic and out of control. Uh, <laughs> and somewhat desperate. Uh, which is... I don't know that I've ever spent a whole lot of time really thinking back and reflecting on seminary. Uh, but that's a lot of what my seminary experience was like. Uh, everything is changing. <laughs> I don't know what the future is going to be, but I know it's definitely not what the past is and it's not what it is right now. Yeah. And so these ways of reclaiming 
it's going to sound stupid football coachy, right? Like controlling the things you can control and that yeah. can be healthy and unhealthy. Uh, but right. Like I can control what I eat and how I cook and do that. Yeah. So I'm just going to do that as deeply as I can. Um, and, uh, you know, picking up these practices, like, like the guitar classes, uh, and even seminars when I really got into running, uh, because it was an escape and something I could control. And I've not run as consistently in years as I have over the past two months. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we're it is all going to seminary right now. Yeah, no, it is nuts, but like, so it's chaotic, but I also hear you like reclaiming like several things in the midst of that. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, that's just really interesting. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it's weird too. Like here I'm taking classes at the old town school. We subscribe to a CSA box all of a sudden. Now we're getting giant boxes of produce that we half of the things we don't even know what they are. Uh, and we weren't doing that two months ago. Like <laughs> we're just trying to figure things out. So it is super weird. It's like, it's like you've got your desk with all your things on it and everything has just been swept off the desk and then put on the desk is childcare. Yeah. This is, that's a new one. <laughs> and it occupies this huge part of the desk that it didn't mm -hmm. have to before. And then like around that, you like, you start to figure out like what you can put. It is this like weird reconstruction. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's a mixed, it's a mixed bag. You also didn't mention that you set up a virtual back porch once a week with your seminary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right uh, I'm just waiting for like Adam to randomly walk through my back zoom door uh, <laughs> right I would be so ha I mean I, I do what I can we put the flag out on Thursday night uh, we should have a watch party on oh, yeah, put the flag out <laughs> we should put the flag out tonight Matt we should have a watch party and just slowly work our way through scrubs together <laughs> Yeah, it's mm -hmm. true. It's a complete, uh, it's a complete relearning. And we're going to have to continue. You should cut this off because we're never going to get to the texts. Mm -hmm. uh, but like it is going to be a complete, it's going to be a very, a lot of relearning of how to do ministry. Because like you said, it's not eight weeks. And it seems like some of these schools are going to be online in the fall. Chris's school already announced they're going to be online in the fall. Yeah. I can't imagine going back to like, when are we going to go back to worship? So uh, <laughs> what I heard recently was one model is that we stay at a slow burn. Another model is that it goes away a little bit in the summer and then comes back with a vengeance in the fall. <laughs> so we're not going to gather in the fall either. Like we need to be thinking about like, what it would it look like for the next two years <laughs> mm -hmm. to be doing some of this stuff. So yes, we're all in seminary. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're just teaching we're gonna, each other. We're going to be poor. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're going to. There you go. Um, the only issue I have is that, that my grocery is not as well stocked as Hyde Park Produce ever was. Yeah. Well, Hyde Park has changed a lot. Oh, my gosh. Huh. Is this another episode of uh, Old Men talk about how great it was in the past? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember when Hyde Park. We wanted to go to the grocery store. You had oh to get in the goodness. car and drive all the way up to the loop to the Dominic's on Cermak. Uh, Is that what it was on? Roosevelt. Boom. What's the name? All the L stops. Um, Some memories. Memories. 
Matt, uh, and now for something completely different. Uh, I don't know. I know people maybe are coming here to get our Bulls takes because I think people really care about that. Uh, but we're going to switch it up because, Matt, there is something incredible going to happen next weekend. It is the return of live sports, Matt. Live sporting games uh, that are not in Korea are returning. Korean baseball returned last week, and I can't, I can't do that. It's it, it's in the literal like three a.m. I can't. Sorry, not a thing I can do. But reasonable time. The German Bundesliga is starting back up with closed door matches this Saturday, uh, May the sixteenth, Matt. Uh, it's the uh, Bundes, of course, is the German word for federal or national and Liga, obviously league. Right. So it's the National Soccer <laughs> League of Germany. Uh, and I wanted to give our listeners a quick primer on uh, what to watch, because you need to invest. We need distractions. Uh, we need the other the, the part that was missing from my seminary experience that I'm doing now. I'm going to Old Town School. I'm uh, a foodie. Uh, I'm running. Uh, I also fell in love and gave my heart and soul to the Chicago Fire Soccer Club uh, and Soccer's been vacant, but now that hole in my heart is going to be filled by the Bundesliga. Uh, everybody knows uh, there are 18 teams in the Bundesliga. Uh, the bottom two and a half go down. You don't want to finish in the last three spots because you'll get relegated. Uh, third to last goes into a playoff with one of the teams from the lower division. So it's not certain death, but you don't want to be in the top three. Uh, top of the table, it looks like a three-horse race between Leipzig, which is owned by uh, the con- global conglomerate of Red Bull, uh, incorporated, so they're bad guys. Uh, uh, Bayern Munich. Uh, if you're into pulling for the Yankees, congratulations, and you're Catholic uh, and you love Bavaria, uh, go for it, pull for them. And then Borussia Dortmund, uh, which is more of a, which would be the good guys. You should pull for them among all the folks. But let me introduce you to your new favorite Bundesliga team, Matt. One of the things that, that Americans cannot fully appreciate about uh, soccer fandom, especially in Europe, uh, is the role that uh, the fans play. Uh, and it's not simply that folks are uh, supporters, right? But that being a supporter in lots of clubs means being a part of the club, literally, right? Uh, another important element to know about the history of German soccer is that most of the good soccer teams in Germany are in the West, because when the country was divided, uh, the East, East Germany was economically repressed. Uh, and so when reunification happened in 1990, the clubs in the East were t- have historically been awful uh, and well behind their counterparts in the West. Leipzig is in the East, uh, and they're only really good because foreign investment. Uh, but this year, a club called FC Union Berlin was promoted. And Union Berlin is a fan-owned club, of course. But during, uh, it's in Berlin, and and when they, uh, during the Cold War, when the Iron Curtain was down, wearing Mm -hmm. uh, Union stuff was a sign that you were anti, like, Stasi, uh, that you were a lefty. Uh, and so that was, they, they, they were considered an anti-Stasi club, uh, and their chief rivals were a club that was basically the Stasi club. Uh, so that's the ethos of the club. In 2004, they were relegated to the fourth division in uh, German soccer. And and just as a heads up, there are only, at the time, there were only two professional leagues in Germany. Uh, so they were in the second tier of unprofessional soccer, semi-professional soccer. And at that point, the club members, there are 11,000 of them today, uh, did a huge fundraiser 
uh, including, but here's the thing. They're so invested in their communities and that's like as important to them as success on the field, which is crazy. Uh, and so as part of their fundraising to help them raise money to get out of the fourth division, they had a, a part of the, the drive was uh, to give your blood for the club. Uh, and so they had this massive blood drive uh, where you literally had to give your blood to the club. Um, so FC Union Berlin, they're up. What's important to note, there's one other team in Berlin, much more historically successful, Hertha. Hurt up blue and white, like this little rubber ducky I got. Because uh, oh it's gosh. from their fan shop at the train station wow. in Berlin. Currently, Union sits several places above uh, Hurt up Berlin in the table. Wow. So this Sunday, uh, Bayern Munich, FC Berlin, the little engine that could, versus uh, the Yankees. Wow. You now wow. have a rooting interest. Zach has gone deep. I go deep into the text. I go deep into the Bundesliga. If you like Americans, you can pull for Wolfsburg. Had a couple Americans on that team. Josh Sargent. This has been an episode of uh, Bundesliga. Das Bundesliga! <laughs> this is our next podcast. It's, uh, it's Bible and Bundesliga? <laughs> Bible und Bundesliga. <laughs> we talk about German, German history uh, in relationship to each one of these teams. Yeah. It's actually an idea. <laughs> Not a bad one. We'll have a lot of time to kill over the next two years. You, I believe that you would do it. I feel like <laughs> oh, I could do you it. would find a ridiculous amount of information. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> 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 Get us to these tech, Zach. Ding, ding. Matt, uh, it's the sixth Sunday after Easter. Pentecost bearing down on us. And we're still in John. We're doing the second half there. Not even the second half. The middle chunk, I guess, of chapter 14. Last week was the beginning of chapter 14 in John. Uh, and John does not back off here being John. So we get a lot of Johnism. Uh, but it's pretty short. So you can take it apart pretty, maybe a little easier than last week. Jesus said, again, this is kind of a farewell discourse to the insiders. Uh, this is not to outside, this is not language for the outsiders. So it's language for the insiders. You need to know that because you might hear it. You'll hear it different ways uh, if you're an insider or an outsider. And this is for insiders. Jesus said, if you love me, if you agape me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. It's, uh, you know, this one, right, Matt? You know the Greek for this? Paraclete? Nope. Paraclete. Paraclete. Oh, yeah. Paraclete. Yeah. The advocate, the helper. Uh, it's a term that in the New Testament was used interchangeably for lawyer or defender, like defender in a court of law. Um, uh, to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned, Annie. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, which will be an issue, because seeing is believing in John. Uh, but you will see me, because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you, which is clear enough. Uh, they who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself. Again, seeing... <sighs> passive act here. Uh, this is about Jesus revealing himself to them. Uh, 
so that's pretty clear, right? There's uh, maybe a fourth character of the Trinity called the Paraclete who will be with you. You'll be able to see him, but not really, but kind of sometimes revealed. Maybe it's Jesus. You'll be inside Jesus, but Jesus will be inside the Father. Uh, you know, happy Easter, everybody. New member of the Trinity gets introduced. This is like uh, when Black what? Panther gets introduced in uh, Captain America Civil War, and you just get like a little mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. You don't know what's coming. <laughs> the full... Oh, the full story of Pentecost? This oh is my just like in go. John Wick 2. I'm just kidding. I don't know. It's no, there's no plot in John Wick 2. So. <sighs> so the part... I mean, I think... Same old John. There's not a lot... I don't... I really don't know. Honestly, Matt, I don't know what the Paraclete's about and how it's helpful or how to preach the Paraclete. I think I might be able to, to explain the Paraclete when we get to songs. Um, we'll make the playlist. I think that'll mm. be the best illustration for how I might preach it. But the part that I'll take apart and think, the part that I'll take apart, I'm sounding like John, John's influencing me already, um, is this to keep, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Uh, and they who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. Uh, and those who love me will be loved by my father. Uh you know me, Matt. I've always got ears to listen for. I've got pretty Lutheran ears in the Bible. Uh, does that mean we have to do keep all the commandments and do them all? Uh, again, I would say this is for insiders and not for outsiders, so that it's not a cause and effect. And in fact, to keep here is literally the word that means to guard, like to guard prisoners. Uh, and it means much more to keep watch over. Uh, it does not literally mean to enact each of the commandments and follow them and never get them wrong. But I think it's more of this sense of to let humanity off the hook just a bit. It's, uh, it's a sense of holding the commandments, holding them as central to our life together, uh, striving and attempting and doing all that stuff. Right. But it doesn't mean check all the boxes. Yeah. But I think our, our Calvinist ears here, do all, at least mine do, do all the things you're supposed to do. Yeah. Then God will love you. Yeah, right. No, I mean, you you definitely have to reverse that, right? Like, it's not, if you do all these things, then God will love you. Um, but you flip it around, that living out the commandments is the result of all this other stuff, is the result of this love, is the result of this spirit, is the result of God's action. Uh, put it in the predicate, and it's still there. Uh, I think that's really important. So I, I'm gonna do a little constructive theology with this thing. I feel like this is see we're doing construction at your church. You're doing construction in the text. Building projects. I'm trying to read. I'm reading this uh, under quarantine, exiled from the church building, and here, like, here we're gonna read. Like as much as I don't really like these texts in late the late Easter season, where it's just like a lot of confusing words from John. Here's Jesus preparing his disciples for when things are going to look different. Uh, and and I think that's super relevant, right? Like if Jesus is not going to be able to be with them physically, then there's got to be some alternative. And he's got to give them some alternative way of looking at this, some alternative way of continuing in the way. And there's at least there's at least well, there's a couple different elements to that. Right. So uh, in one like one element is you got to know that uh, Christ is going to live in you, that the spirit is going to be in you, that God is going to be in you, that he's in each one of us, not just in this church building or not just in this 
physical interaction that we used to be able to have with Jesus in this particular way. Got to have it in a different way. Uh, you've got to have this spirit that's able to come through locked doors, uh, that's able to like blow in like Pentecost. You've got to have some different things that are happening. And then you've got to have a way to live out the way if you're not able to just go to this place every week and then check that box, right? Which is a way that a lot of us mm-hmm. think about like what it means to be Christian. Well, I'm going to go to church and I check that box. So like I, that's another box that you could consider checking to say, no, uh, maybe the pathway looks like all these commandments of loving one another, maybe making masks is a form of worship today. Maybe, you know, this is how we live out our faith. Uh, Mardi Gras. For better protection for our essential workers, right? Like there are all these other things that we can do, can do, not that we do to earn God's favor, but that we do because of uh, what God has done that are ways of living out our faith. Um, I think that's super relevant. And I feel like it's worth wrestling with as, um, as a lot of us wonder when, you know, you've got pastors out there trying to get us back to church as quickly as possible. Um, and maybe that's not the goal. <laughs> maybe the goal is something else and going back to church is a part of it, but not the, the driver of the whole thing, you know? And I feel like this text is relevant to that, which is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe I'll, I'll lift up some of the stuff we talked about earlier that are, that are, that are shaping my life right now in quarantine and put that in terms of the things that we keep that I'm, uh, keeping my starter alive. I'm baking bread as a way that I am keeping this, uh, to go a little monastic, a rule of life, um, and it gives, and that's a part of what I, I like about the bread baking and the guitar classes and the running is it gives shape to a life that right now could be really formless. I think that's the more helpful light to see, to see one, the, the, the commandment of this, the, the call of this. That's what I think Jesus is talking about, lifting up these commandments that we don't really, that aren't explicit here. Uh, and, and seeing them in that same way. But the pr- there's another side of it that's the promise side, that it is in keeping the commandments uh, that you will know God is with you, um, that the love and the life of God is here with you. It is through, uh, you know, making masks. Um, it's through uh, staying inside that that you know that's how God, how you, uh, a steadfast, secure, a dependable place in which you can find God. I think that's what I'm trying to say. I feel like it's super, it's super relevant, right? Like it's, and it's not about justification. It's about how do you shape your life in the midst of this chaotic moment? Um, and there's some, there's some guidance for that. And I also think it's relevant because, right, like a lot of these New Testament texts are like, all right, are we just, we're just waiting for Jesus to come back and it's going to happen like pretty quick, right? And there's all this mm-hmm. debate about like when it's going to happen and that's pretty relevant to right now is this a short-term thing or is it a long-term thing and if it's a long-term thing then that has real implications for how we live right now and how we're going to sustain ourselves and what those practices look like not practices that justify us but practices that like help us run the marathon you know i mean this these are words for uh essentially i think pretty faithfully you can say that these are jesus words to the disciples in quarantine their lives have been changed forever and they do not know what the future will look like. They only know it will not look like what the past looks like. And they don't, they will not look like what right now looks like. Um, yep. Yeah. Amen. I like you, uh, you're leaving the old, uh, 
lectionary this week, right, man? Uh, I think you're muted. Um, yeah, and I'm <laughs> I'm a little sad because now I actually have ideas for this text thanks to this podcast. Ugh! Have uh, you uh, also- part of up in my coffee game, Matt? I have to say this. Uh, I got a. I decided to buy from Amazon an Aeropagus coffee press. That's what it's called, an Aeropagus. <laughs> no, it's an Aeropress. I didn't get an Aeropress, but Aeropress uh, okay. is pretty close to Aeropagus, uh, which is where yeah. Paul stood. That's what I'm about to say. That I also love this act. I mean, I don't necessarily love the entire thing, but uh, this you <laughs> bunch of idiots. <laughs> well, yes, but I can see those icons behind you, Matt. You're worshiping <laughs> a god of gold. Amen. <laughs> to an unknown God. I mean, it's just, it's, it's fantastic. To an unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown. This I proclaim to you. I mean, it's just, it's pretty, it's pretty good stuff. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I th- you got, it. I think you have to read it in, shout out to the lectionary makers here. It creates tension. Uh, having this reading paired with, with John 14. Um, cause there's an element to John 14 that is like, God is here with you. But as we talked about last week, like this is pretty like out there, it's unknown. God can be known and unknown. We can hold two separate things together at the same time. Right. Uh, and so as long as Paul is not completely talking about himself here, uh, I am okay with Paul making this claim that the God is known. Right. Uh, because yeah, if you know exactly what they're talking about in John 14, Paul, please enlighten me. <laughs> Yeah, you got to frame it and give it a point of view for sure. Um, yeah. But no, I am. Uh, yeah, I did. I left the lectionary for a season. It's the first time I, I still feel conflicted. Like, it's the first time I've done this. This is like stepping off the. Oh, my gosh. There's no You've exiled yourself. Oh, super weird. I like I mean, I, there's a lot of people that do this all the time. Uh, I've been in history for uh, nine years and I've never like I always use the lectionary maybe there's like a special Sunday every once in a while that maybe I'll like fudge something but like to just leave the lectionary for a whole season never done that never done it Zach it's the first time but I'm kind of loving this I've never series. done it never done it <laughs> and here's why I love this series uh, I mean you know you gotta do what you gotta do but like I just really I'm, we're looking at stories like we have this series by a sanctified art who should be a sponsor. I know you got some connections, Zach. You should work those. We should figure this out. How they've, got, is- they've got some amazing uh, artwork for each. You can't even see it on this podcast, uh, but for each of the texts that they've chosen here and each one of the texts is a story. So in some ways, it's like the narrative lectionary. If the narrative lectionary was actually uh, narratives. <laughs> and I just really love stories. And I do. I do think this is a, while this is a lectionary podcast, so we're going to continue to love the lectionary for a whole lot of reasons. Like, man, I do wish we could get some more stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it like shapes, like, I do think it shapes your theology in a, in a, it shapes your theology, right? To have this text of like, to have these John texts, like so many of these bizarre, twisty, turny John texts, and then to not have as many stories, and that's fine, but, like, who decides that? So, like, the consultation on common texts, then not only just decided texts, but decided a whole lot of people's theology. 
<laughs> and so it makes me really I ask love some Matt's issues with authority. It it's makes, fantastic. It makes me ask some questions about who was on that consultation and how diverse Kevin was Strickland. it. Like what? Well, I mean, that's a, things. And when, if we got electionary and then a revised common electionary, when is the next revised. version? Because this thing is not like should this thing we can't put the next Kevin Strickland's feet to the fire when he gets brave enough to come on this podcast. Uh, Matt, I'll defend the electionary makers, or I'll I'll pretend to defend them. I don't really care. Um, I do think they're in a spot here because you got seven weeks of Easter, um, and there's not seven weeks worth of of narrative about the risen Jesus. Uh, And I don't think it. I think you could. But I see what they're doing. The you same, know what I'm saying? What if you did the same seven stories every like what if you did like yeah. the actual if you did Emmaus, if you did the breakfast, if you did those stories every year instead of being like, hey, every year we're gonna get I'm yeah, you'd need twenty one every stories. But then yeah. we're gonna get Emmaus like once every three years. Why would you have Emmaus once every three years, but it's Thomas classic. every year? That makes no sense to me. Yeah. I know you love Emmaus, that's why I went with that one. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm pro <laughs> I at this podcast. Uh, as an official policy of being an equal opportunity uh, criticizer. It's one of the higher level thinking levels, orders of thinking, you know. Um, and and overall, I think I think it's pretty clear to say this podcast is pro-narrative uh, stories. We like stories because uh, preaching at its heart is storytelling, I think. I think that's the most effective form of preaching. Um, so the more you can get to work with, like I'm doing this series on, on my favorite Bible stories, I'm not picking John 14. Like, why would that? It's this is no one's favorite Bible story. Like, it's not. And it's okay for the Bible to have different kinds of literature, you know, a poet, like, yeah, poems and songs and and proverbs and all that kind of stuff. But uh, hey, here's here's the other thing that I've done recently for this preaching podcast. Maybe we should have an outline so that I we're not as all over the map as we are today. But I filmed my sermon mm-hmm. at the church and made the construction site a part of the sermon. Nice. Like images, right? Because we're in this like digital space. And I, I think like while in the past, if we were gathering in person, I would do my best to like figure out how the words were going to do everything that needed to be done was going to be carried by just the words on the page and like mm-hmm. my physical person, like and the spirit working through those things. I'm not. But now in this digital space, it's like, well, what can I do with images while I'm like, what are some different methods of actually proclaiming? And I'm experimenting with it. So here, it's a preaching podcast. That's a, I'm preaching this weekend. About. I'll. Uh, this is my first time preaching How are on you Zoom. Doing it? I don't know yet. What's the method? <laughs> like, is it so? It's Zoom, it's and then Zoom. you just like show up on Zoom, and then you're gonna like talk at the people gathered on Zoom. I think I could do either way. I have the option of pre-recorded or or live. So I've still got to get into it. I've been doing. I've got a big backlog of. We had Giving Tuesday, and we did a bunch of video for for Giving Tuesday. Um, that was really good, by the way. Props on that. I was like, oh, somebody was ready for Giving Tuesday. You don't know, the, uh, you know, no, no secret here, Matt. Uh, not at all. We got started getting ready on Monday. I said, Megan, ah! help, and Megan no way. made the magic happen on Monday. <laughs> I got the videos that morning, like throughout the morning. And was yeah. editing them and trying to get them up all in real time and stuff. Turned out pretty good, though. You know, we raised a little over $500, which is not bad. Um, you know, and more than anything, I'm most appreciative that I got to hear from some people that I really care about who care about our work. And that's yeah. always a really important thing. Feedback you don't yeah. always get. Got to get my Bible story up this week. 
And then at graduation uh, tomorrow is what when graduation would have been. So I think I can say this. We got some patches. Last year we did graduation stoles for the first time, made out of faux buffalo hide. Uh, so Megan's are on top of that, and we ordered patches, like little bread and belonging patches with our naked buffalo and a little graduation cap and stuff. Um, so after I, we record today, I'm actually headed up to a, a gas station north of here to pick up the the stoles and deliver those tomorrow. And we're trying to get some video together for, for the graduates and stuff. So Fantastic. Ministry continues. Well, mm-hmm. what are you listening to as you drive up to that gas oh, station? Matt, I am so confused uh, by if... Uh, Let's see. Um, on that day, you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. Uh, you know, that's a little confusing, Matt. And I find some resonance musically in the words of the second greatest British band of all time. We all know number one is the Kinks. Number three is the Rolling Stones. And number four is Oasis. And number five is Cream. Uh, but the number two British band of all times is a little band called the Beatles. Don't know if you heard of them. Pretty big deal, kind of underground. Uh, and they have a song that I think should be part of all baptismals, uh, baptisms, you know, because I think it's, it's, it's a naming. It really gets into this Johannine uh, theology. The song is called, you may not have heard of it, again, pretty, pretty low, pretty, pretty cult, uh, underground. It's this little song called I Am the Walrus. That uh, begins. <laughs> I am he as you are he as you are me and we are all together, which I think is the full summation of Johannine theology. Gugu Kachu. I am the walrus. Right. Jesus is the walrus. Got this episode name. Got the title. Um, then, Matt, there, there's promises and there's call. Uh, nice interplay in this text. Uh, one of the promises there, uh, I will not leave you orphan, Jesus said. And then I quote, Jesus says, I am coming. Uh, and of course, that says to me, the background vocals in the Notorious B.I.G.'s Mo Money, Mo Problems, uh, where they sample Diana Ross's I'm Coming Out. Uh, and I think that's what is playing in the background. Jesus says that. I'm coming up. Oh, I want the world to know. Right? Uh, so definitely putting Mo Money, Mo Problems. And then, Matt, I have a quarantine wreck. Uh, if you've listened this far on the podcast, you get the goodies, and the goodie is a par- quarantine wreck. I've been watching a little thing called movies, films. Matt, you know I don't like movies or films. They take too long. I have anxiety issues. I can't just sit there and watch a movie. you got three minutes to really hook me. But last night, my wife and I, the vinyl spouse, and I watched a great movie that you're going to love. My wife cried throughout, but in a positive, happy way. Uh, like, she really enjoyed it. I was a little worried. Uh, it's called St. Francis. Uh, it has nothing to do with Francis of Assisi. Uh, it's based in the Chicagoland suburbs uh, of a woman who's 34 years old who becomes a nanny for a summer for a six-year-old named Francis uh, who becomes St. Francis for her. Uh, and it's got a killer soundtrack uh, in the trailer, at least. I couldn't find it in the actual movie. Uh, but it's a song by Haley Hendrix that's spelt crazy. H-E-Y-N-D-E-R-I-C-K-X. Haley Hendricks called Um Shalala. Uh, have you heard this? 
No. It's fantastic. And it's a song about transition, which is where the disciples find themselves. Uh, it's got a little bit of that Kenya Dawson feel to it. Uh, and the lyrics are fun. Uh, the milk is sour. I've barely been to college and I've been doubtful of all that I've dreamed of. The brink of my existence is essentially a comedy. Uh, the gap in my teeth and all that I can cling to. Uh, and then it ends with her like, uh, I'm throwing out the milk. The olives got old. I'm tired of my mind getting heavy with mold. I need to start a garden. I need to start a garden is what like the, <laughs> it's so cool. It's so fun. And it's the perfect like, hey, I'm about to get out. You know, gardening's another one of the things you could do in these times. Uh, but it's about transformation and new life. So Um Shalala by Haley Hendricks. Check them out. They got a Tiny Desk concert too that's pretty good. Uh, finally, Matt, uh, to illustrate what I think John was getting at, Rhiannon Giddens, fan here on the podcast. Podcast has always been a big fan. Formerly of uh, um, the Carolina Chocolate Drops covered Bill Withers' Just the Two of Us. Uh, and it's lovely, but she put a music video together of of people being together in quarantine, right? So it's like groups of like two people together. Uh, and so it's this way of living in this small picture of togetherness and in this large, integrated into how we are largely, much on the macro scale, together. And I think that's what John is getting at. If I remember, we'll put it on the Facebook page uh, and you can see the, the video there. But that's what I got. Fantastic. Zach is raising the playlist game during this quarantine. Uh, awesome. Good stuff. Uh, what am I doing? Well, I got uh, I got sucked into Acts 17 and this to an unknown God uh, and that word unknown which, of course, is the title of one of the most famous songs of Arendelle, Into the Unknown. Do you know what version I'm going to use, though? There's a couple versions. I knew the Panic at the Disco version, and I knew the Indina Menzel featuring Aurora version, but then I found a version that was just by Aurora, who is the Norwegian singer-songwriter from the North Country, from Scandinavia. And she does that, like, uh, high-pitched little call throughout mm. the song. She's the one that sings that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right there. And she sings the whole song. So look the up that version. The sprint down the stairs and bust into this room because she heard the... <laughs> into the unknown. Uh, it's incredible how children soak up the lyrics to these songs because oh I swear we watched that movie like a month ago and yet my kids still know all the words. Mm-hmm. Uh, unknown Caller by you too unknown caller from no line on the horizon which was the soundtrack to my spring in mexico a decade ago uh unknown caller no line on the horizon one of my favorite albums actually uh and then uh of course another u2 song in a little while which i imagine mm. was inspired by john 14 in a little while in yeah. a while wow. not that one i'm putting it's it on not a stained glass stained glass I like it, Matt. I like it. Matt, I am feeling wistful. Uh, one of the things that, that the quarantines made me do is it made me want to either move to Scandinavia or like Berlin. Or Mexico City. I'll move to Mexico City, too. My yeah, Spanish is I... getting a little better as I teach it at home. I should... Moscas. I should take that up. Moscas in la cocina. Hey, did, I, did I tell you about the Berlin book that I've read? No. That should be an episode. Next week, we're going to talk about that. I read uh, 
This book was really good. The Shortest History of Germany. I bought it in the airport in Berlin and read it on the plane on the way back all the way through. That was good? Yeah. Like, like I, I love the idea. It's new to me. European history is a new thing to me. I didn't study it like in high school or college or anything. But the idea that like Spain and Italy and Germany are just ideas <laughs> more than like you think about them as yeah. like these ancient countries. Uh, yes. And the United States is really like is as a country is older than all of those countries. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. like th their whole thing is like nobody has any idea how far east Germany goes uh, yeah. that like has a clear border on the west with the Rhine. But then Germany is however far that yeah. the Germans can militarily occupy to the east. And that changes because there's no yeah. natural borders at all. But they're definitely different yeah. than the Poles. Uh, but who knows where it is? Yeah, no, it's super true. Like I've been pulling the thread of family history, which I've never done before. And when I started pulling that thread, when I realized that, like, no, like, like, what does that even mean to say that, like, you have German heritage? Mm -hmm. This is a thing that didn't exist before the 1800s. So, like, what does that even mean to say that? <laughs> so, like, did, I, did I tell you that when we did the genealogy, like we did, so Hannah used to work, the vinyl spouse used to work in genealogy. And so we did it when we were having a child to look for cool names. Um and in that, I discovered that the German side of my family is from Alsace-Lorraine, uh, which is currently in France. Uh, so when they left in the 1600s, they spoke German, but Germany didn't exist. And now the place they're from is in France. Uh, so we're German, right? Yeah, yeah. So the Paris are not in France blog title. The Paris are, are from England and they're the witch burners, but the, uh. the, the later mines... <laughs> Uh, cool. Yeah, no, my uh, family tree pulling revealed that uh, maybe Scotland, which means I'm related to Uncle Scrooge. That just makes me really happy. Um, but uh, or David Tennant or David Tennant uh, or David Tennant. Uh, this should be a whole thing, though, because I read this. So the book I read about Germany, this is a great way to end the podcast that you thought was over five minutes ago. <laughs> We can do this, or we can talk about Jordan's gambling. I, I read a book You're called one of these. Burning, Burning Down the House, house being spelled H-A-U-S, mm -hmm. and it was about punk rock in Berlin in mm -hmm. the 80s before the fall, leading up to the fall of the Berlin Wall. And here was the part that I did not expect, was that it was Lutheran churches, <laughs> like progressive Lutheran pastors, that opened their buildings to give these punk rock bands a place to practice and play and hang out because like there were like you like everything was on like lockdown in all these different ways but the churches could open their doors sometimes like a little bit underground to yeah. give these punk rocks rockers like a place together <laughs> i was oh. like what like lutheran pastors actually played a pretty key role in the organization of punk rock in berlin in the 1980s <laughs> blew my mind ah <laughs> uh, mad if only we had marketable skills that could be <laughs> translated. I really, I want to move to Berlin right now. <sighs> Berlin is a really cool city. Man. And Never affordable. Affordable, that's the... We were going to go this summer, but... it's kind of in Eastern Europe. So... All right. Well, Matt, what's the Real. German word for vinyl? Let me look it up before we go off the air. Translate.google... Dot com, which has really been a game changer for international travel. Matt, um, it's vinyl. Das Vinyl. It's been real. Das Vinyl. 
What a ridiculous episode.